Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear kinsfolk. This is Pastor Visser from the heart of the Dirty South, which is located in beautiful downtown Brooks, Georgia. And dear faithful listener, the other evening I was reading through my Bible and I came across a text that's located in Revelation chapter 14. So please turn there today. And in Revelation chapter 14, verse 14, we begin reading this. John speaking... And he's referencing the gospel of Yahshua Messiah. He says this, I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now this really got me to thinking about the concept and the topic of sowing and reaping as per scripture. Because we oftentimes as Israelite men, women, and children tend to think that, well, we only reap what we sow in judgment. When we stand before that great white throne judgment of Yahweh God, well, naturally, we're going to have to pay the piper, to cop a proverbial term. But I want to put forth to you, dear kinsfolk, today, that oftentimes we reap what we sow in life. And of course, much of that should be common sense, because it alone dictates that if we go out and we engage in sin or risky behavior, chances are pretty good that those sins will catch back up to us. But what we're dealing with here is the harvest, and it takes place at Armageddon. This is an end-time event. If you will, this could be considered the final harvest. How can I say that? Well, the earth was reaped. That's what it says in verse 16 of Revelation chapter 14. John says he looked, and on a white cloud, Jesus Christ, or Yahshua Messiah, came. And what did he have? On his head, a golden crown. Of course, we know that there is no king but Jesus Christ. But he also had in his hand a sharp sickle. Why? Because the harvest is near. It is the end of an eon, or an age. Verse 15 confirms, Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. So herein lies an angel telling Jesus Christ, What? Thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. 
Well, that's one such concept in Scripture that proves that mankind truly will reap what they sow. Not only mankind, but the earth in general. And you've heard me preach on this, because there is a spirit over each and every house, over each and every person, and most assuredly over each and every city, country, and so on. But the spirit that resides in us is the Holy Spirit. That fragment that he breathed within Ahadam all the way back in the very beginning chapters of Genesis. Therefore, we have a God consciousness. We know what is right, what is wrong. In short, the law of Yahweh God is written on our heart. And that same law of Yahweh God, I want to point out to you today, on sowing and reaping, is stated in Galatians chapter 6. So please turn there next. Now, what we're going to cover in the 6th chapter of Galatians deals with the results of fleshly and spiritual living. It contrasts the two, if you will. It shows you the difference between the carnal man and the spiritual man. That is us. In verse 7 of Galatians chapter 6, we read this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So what we did right there was we moved from an end time event to a current time event. And how is it that we can apply this teaching to our life today? Well, the teaching here is that there are two different standards, and you've heard me preach on this in my very popular series on the Gospel of Luke. But Paul says here to Galatia, don't be deceived, first and foremost. That is a commandment. So, coming out the gate, we should be able to deduct that mankind can be deceived. Therefore, we must do all we can to not be deceived. Why? Because God is not mocked. Now, did you hear what Paul says? God is not mocked, and the way of man oftentimes is to think that they get away with their sins, that they can sin and get by, and well, God somehow or another doesn't see them, but Yahweh God sees and knows all. Of course, that's borne out by Scripture. But whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Paul doesn't say in judgment only, but alludes to the fact that also in life we will reap what we sow. And oftentimes this has been the story of my life because many of my detractors who come against this ministry, well, they live in debauchery. They live in absolute squalor. They live cursed of Yahweh God and seemingly want to hate me because I'm blessed, because I did it according to the law of God. But this also that we're covering here in Galatians is the law of God and it is transcribed by Paul, at least by his mouth. And he wants you to understand that whatsoever a man sows, he'll reap. Why? Because he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Meaning, anything you do pertaining to the flesh is temporal. It only satisfies the desires of your flesh for a moment, for a season. But not for eternity. And that's the reason why Paul would say, He that soweth to the Spirit that spirit of Yahweh God that resides within each and every one of his sons and daughters. Well, if you sow to that, to the spirit, to the things of the spirit, you'll be able to reap from the spirit life everlasting. And that, of course, is the key, is it not? Because we technically, whether you stand on this side of the gulf or the other, we have life everlasting. 
but what side do you stand on? And perhaps you've been studying along with me in my current series on Luke, where we covered the parable of Lazarus and Dives, and straightforwardly pointed out that while many of the Jews and many of the devil's children come along and say, well, there's no everlasting hell, it's ironic that there's numerous examples. And that's just one where Jesus Christ says, you're either going to be on one side of the gulf or the other. He wasn't speaking in parable form. But the purpose of today's sermon is to look at the concept of sowing versus reaping. And to prove that every Israelite man, woman, and child truly will reap what it is that they sow. So we must be careful in what it is that we sow. Now we know that scripture says Yahweh God abhors and or hates those who sow discord among the brethren. That's written in Proverbs. But that's one proof, an example, that we can sow unrighteous seeds. Discord. Now, Paul says here in Galatians, we should sow to the Spirit. We should do everything when it pertains to the Spirit and not the flesh. Why? Because the flesh only reaps corruption. For example, you can go out and your flesh can tell you, well, I feel hungry, and you can eat. But it only satisfies the flesh for a few hours, not for eternity. And we are to strive for life within that ever-living kingdom, not across the gulf in Sheol. Perhaps that is a study for another day. Now, every person is a sower. Every single person down here on God's green earth will sow one of two things, either seeds of righteousness or seeds of unrighteousness. The law that we just covered in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, is an unchangeable law, like every law of Yahweh God is. Yahweh God doesn't say, hey, I want you to not serve other gods only for a few years. Rather, every law he gives is for eternity. And it is the same here in Galatians chapter 6. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And perhaps that's the most important part of this all. Because men who sow unrighteous seeds, men who go out and sow discord, for example, they think somehow or another God is mocked, but the saints aren't fooled. And you've heard me preach on this before, because oftentimes I've said that if we were judging the fruits then there's no way that many of these false prophets who go by our title of dual seed line could fool anybody. And, ironically, they really don't. They oftentimes will fool silly women who are laden with sins, meaning they fool other people like them. Misery truly loves company, and that's the way of it. Now, do you hang out with people like that? Do you go out and deal with people who sow discord, who sow mischief, who sow strife amongst the brethren? Well, if you do, my advice to you today is to come out from that. Nothing good is ever going to come of it. Now, not only that, I want you to understand that Galatians chapter 6, what we bore out in verses 7 through 9, applies to both the spiritual and the physical realms. So spiritually, you can affect yourself by sowing good or bad, and also physically, the here and now. Now, every person is a sower, and every person will reap the harvest of his own planning. And I can prove that to you today by going to the Old Testament. And in the book of the minor prophet Hosea, I want you to look at chapter 8. Now, what we're dealing with here in the book of the minor prophet Hosea deals with the dispersion of Israel and the reason, or one of the reasons, why they would be dispersed abroad. 
Now, we in Dual Seedline Christian Identity put much emphasis on the importance of our tribal roots and exactly what tribe we may spring forth from or where we come from, meaning our heritage, our race. But here in Hosea chapter 8, beginning in verse 7, we can read this. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stock, the bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the strangers will swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up, now shall they be among the Gentiles, as a vessel wherein there is no pleasure. Now, what you should take home from that verse is the reality that one of the reasons we, as Israelite men, women, and children, were dispersed abroad and handed a bill of divorcement by our Heavenly Father, or our Bridegroom, we could say, Yahweh, was because we went a-whoring after the other gods of the nations round about, and because instead of sowing righteous works, Hosea says we sown the wind, or that which is the wind. Wind in scripture is always symbolic of being tempest-tossed. For example, those who go about led by every wind of doctrine. And that was exactly what the ancient Israelites of old did. They went about by every wind of doctrine, and perhaps there truly is no new thing under the sun, because our people still do this today. It merely takes a false prophet to come into the camp and say, hey, I'm the latest, greatest thing since sliced bread, and ironically, a few uneducated idiots are going to fall for it. But do not be deceived, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. God is not mocked. Now, if you want to avoid reaping the mockery of Yahweh God, especially in a latter end time judgment where your sins are laid bare, then incline your heart to understanding his word. Incline your heart to understanding, for example, right here, what Hosea is bringing forth. He goes after this verse, verse 8 in Hosea chapter 8, into Israel's harlotry and idolatry, which is the very reason we were dispersed abroad. We were dispersed abroad so we could reap what we sowed. Because the way of Israelite men and women oftentimes is to think, you know what, I can spit in the eye of El God, he loves me so much, he's bound to forgive me like a lucky rabbit's foot, but that's simply not the case, dear kinsfolk. Hosea chapter 8 verse 7 says, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Our people. We sow vanity and in essence will reap the divine judgment of Yahweh God. Now, I've preached sermons in years past proving that Yahweh God controls the whirlwind. And that same said whirlwind is a form of judgment. Or, if you will, a form of reaping what it is that we sow. If you go out and do evil, then you will reap evil. That is the basic fundamental of this teaching. Man will reap what they sow. So understand that today's sermon will consider the law of sowing and reaping to show that there's a direct correlation between what is sown by man and what is reaped, especially as it applies to those things which are spiritual. So while oftentimes man can get away seemingly with sins down here in God's kingdom, Yahweh God is not mocked. Yahweh God keeps a tally. Yahweh God keeps track. So we can fool men but we cannot fool Yahweh God. So, we are to sow the word of God instead of sowing the commandments of men. Why? Because sowing the word of God will produce the kingdom of God. 
And I'd like to go on record right here by saying that. You know, if we were out there truly sowing the Word of God amongst our people, amongst our nation, the kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven already. We wouldn't be waiting for Yahweh God in the form of Yahshua to return like he does in Revelation chapter 14, which we began today's study on. Rather, it would already be here. That is a promise and a condition that is laid out in Scripture. Now, you, as my listener, may be well familiar that we've been studying along in the most famous Gospel of Luke. And Luke's Gospel details many parts about Yahshua Messiah's life that are not transcribed anywhere else. And in Luke chapter 8, and I've already preached this earlier, a few months ago. But in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 11, we're going to deal with Jesus Christ teaching the parable of the sower. And what I want you to focus in on as we cover this, is that the seed is the word of God. And that is exactly what we should be sowing, time and time again. But there are so many keys that are here in Luke chapter 8 beginning in verse 11. We read this. This is Yahshua Messiah speaking. He says, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Now this is Jesus Christ explaining his very own parable of the sower. And what he ends on is that note, that we reap what we sow. Verse 15, he says, Those seeds that were sown on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart or mind, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit. What is that? Reaping. A tree or a plant bears fruit near the time of harvest. Now, Revelation chapter 14 is the time of harvest for our earth age or aeon the end of this age, but the earth itself continues. World without end, amen. That's a teaching of scripture. But I went right to Yahshua's explanation of his own parable. The parable by which he explains why he speaks in parables. For example, go back to verse 4, and we're going to run through this very quickly. Christ says, verse 5 of St. Luke chapter 8, A sower went out to sow his seed, and As he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trodden down, and fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. And others, this is us, dear kinsfolk, we fell on the good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, Let him that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Why? Well, he explains it. Next two verses. And when his disciples asking, saying, What might this parable be? He said unto them, Unto you, Israelite disciples or followers, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
but to others in parables, that seeing they might see, and hearing they might not understand. Now, of course, we know that's a prophecy of Isaiah. It was not the will of Yahshua Messiah to come for every person to see. That was the reason he would preach in parable form. But this parable is not like that. This parable is straightforwardly explained. And it deals with the concept of sowing and reaping. In the parable of the sower, the seed is the word of God. And those who sow the word of God properly, well, they reap what? An everlasting position. Not only that, but they bring forth fruit with patience. That is reaping what we sow. Now, when the word of God was preached on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, it produced many Christians. That same word that we just dealt with here in Luke chapter 8, no matter when or where it's preached, if it falls upon good and honest Israelite minds, it will have the same exact result. What result? The result that was promised by Yahshua Messiah right here in Luke chapter 8. So, you should be able to see the extreme importance of being careful how we sow and what it is that we sow. Sowing the commandments of men, however, not the word of God, will always bring vain religion. That is to say, tradition. Now, in dual seed line Christian identity, there are those who go by our title. They claim to even be dual seed line why they don't believe in a literal devil or a literal hell, ironically. And when it's all said and done, the doctrines and the teachings they put forth are all from their own heart, from their own mind. And we're going to prove that today. So please turn with me to Matthew. And in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 15, we're going to deal with this concept. Sowing the commandments of men and how it does bring about vain religion. In Matthew, chapter 15, verse 9, we can read this. Yahshua Messiah speaking. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Now Christ isn't saying go out and eat pork, but what he's saying is you should be able to judge a particular person by what comes out of their mouth, that they're vile, they're filthy, they're teaching traditions, well, that's what's in their heart. Not sowing, if you will, the word of God within the hearts and minds of the Israelite people, but rather their own dogmas, their own doctrines, and their own agendas. And you've heard me teach it. Beware of those who come along and say, I'm going to give you this for free. (laughs) A free education is just that. Yeah, go to public school and see what free education gives you. (laughs) But nonetheless, you can rewind it a little bit here in St. Matthew chapter 15, because Jesus rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees here. He says about verse 4, For God commandeth, saying, Honor thy mother and father. And, not only that, he that curses his father or mother, let him die the death. Why? Well, that's a sin according to death. That is a violation of the fifth commandment. But ye say, speaking to the Pharisees, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, or we could say, just to interject, the ways of his mother, the ways of his father. But the Pharisees say, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God none effect by your tradition. So what were the Pharisees and the Sadducees doing here in St. Matthew? They were sowing 
vanity. They were sowing their own traditions and they would reap what? <laughs> Corruption. We've already proved it. If we sow to our flesh, we will reap nothing. But that which appeals to your flesh for a few hours or maybe a season, a few days, but then it's gone. You don't reap the spiritual benefit. And the only way to reap those things that pertain to the Spirit is to sow those things that pertain to the Spirit. And there's no greater object by which the Spirit is imparted but this Word of God. And Jesus Christ taught that the Word of God are those seeds that we should what? Sow. So, the doctrines and teachings of men will produce a plant that will be rooted up. How can I say that? Verse 13, continuing on. As we were, he called the multitude, he said unto them, and I'm in St. Matthew chapter 15, verse 10, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defiles a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that defiles a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard you saying this? But he answered and said, Pay close attention. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Not should, not possibly, not maybe, not might, but shall be. Every plant that Yahweh God did not sow will be rooted up. Now, what he's saying in a roundabout way is that those Pharisees were not literally sown by Yahweh God. And perhaps that's a study for another day. But again, we're dealing with the concept of reaping what man sows. So, one must not mix the commandments of men with the pure word of God, because one who does reaps condemnation. Now, we're going to skip back to Paul's epistle to the Galatians to prove that again. However, this time we're not going to chapter 6. We're going to go to chapter 1, because it bears out exactly what I'm saying to you. And it's extremely important. Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. This is Paul speaking to those foolish Galatians. Pay close attention. He says this, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now before we even continue Paul's narrative, understand, there are numerous gospels out there. Not every book that has Bible on its spine is the word of God. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message.
But Paul says he's marveling, he's perplexed, he's amazed that we can be removed so quickly from the truth of God's word unto another gospel. Why? Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, Paul speaking, if any man preach any other gospel unto you other than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? Question. For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul's bringing forth two different dogmas here, and of course there's more than that, but he's proving the difference between truth and tradition. The false and the real gospel. And when it all boils down to it, within this, we see the concept of men reaping what they sow. Because if any man comes and preaches any other gospel other than what you've seen, other than what Paul himself has brought you, that which is already codified, let him be accursed. What is that? He reaps being a cursed bastard. Why? Because he sowed tradition, not the pure word of God. Again, you should be able to see the importance of what it is we sow and how it is that we sow it in meekness, in humility. The doctrines and teachings of men produce a plant that will be rooted up. Will. It's a promise of Yahweh God, not a suggestion. Nothing true will stand. Why? False things must perish. And every false thing, every rudiment will. It is a promise and it's borne out by Obadiah in addition to the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation. But not only does one who sows to the flesh reap corruption, but Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, and we already covered it, that one who sows to the flesh will, not might, but will reap corruption. We need to understand that this epistle of Paul to the Galatians was written to Christians. Thus these verses are a warning to each and every Israelite man, woman, and child today. Now on its face, of course, this epistle was written to the foolish men and women of Galatia. But because it was written to those who were dispersed abroad, those quote-unquote Gentiles and many Israelites in dysphoria, it applies to us today. So contrary to what Calvinists may teach, it is possible for a Christian to fall, and therefore to reap corruption, and in the process lose his soul, or at least find his soul in Hades burning for eternity. And I love saying that. Why? Because the false prophet loves coming along saying, there's no eternal torment. But after all, hey, you know what? I'm going to reside within the kingdom for eternity. Yeah, there's real fairness in that one, right? <laughs> Makes no sense. But then again, those doctrines and dogmas of men, which are considered tradition, none of them are going to make sense. Be not deceived, Paul says. God is not mocked. So we can reap to ourselves corruption depending on what it is that we sow. So here, I want you to consider, or maybe even in your free time, the teachings of Job chapter 4 verse 8. And I'm going to briefly cover that because it looks like we're good on time today. But in Job chapter 4, we can read this, beginning in verse 7. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished, being innocent, 
or where were the righteous cut off question now this is a line of questioning from one of Job's close friends so we could say this technically isn't the word of God it is the word of man but he's asking remember I pray thee whoever perished is there anybody who's ever perished being innocent <laughs> yeah there have been and where were the righteous ever cut off well the righteous are cut off time and time again throughout scripture but he says this even as I have seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same by the blast of God they perish and the breath of his nostrils they are consumed what is that but the whirlwind exactly what we began today's study on so that's one such teaching in Job chapter 4 and I want you to go back and study that out in your free time if you're able to because it proves that what man sows so also shall he reap and also in the words of wise King Solomon we can turn to Proverbs and Proverbs is perhaps one of my most favorite books because it really, outside of the parables and the teachings of Yahshua Messiah, outlines how it is that a Christian is supposed to live. And in Proverbs chapter 22, we can begin reading verse 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. But he that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth his bread to the poor. So these are two unfailing laws from the very mouth of wise King Solomon. And one of those laws of nature, of common sense, and of Yahweh God is this. He that sows iniquity will reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. Meaning they sacrifice everything they would have anyway, because they sowed vanity. They sowed corruption. They reaped only to the flesh, but not those things that pertain unto the Spirit. And the Spirit is the most important thing. And that is why we spend so much time teaching on the difference between the flesh and the Spirit. Why? Because we can sow to one or the other. So, how does one sow to the flesh? Well, back in Galatians, once again, in chapter 5, I'll provide you with the answer to that. Beginning in verse 19, Paul says this, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, there's that word, pornea, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and much like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now these are all sins that will damn your soul. And these are the works of the flesh, as outlined by Paul. If you see a man sowing to any of these things, these works of the flesh, for example, if a man sows adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, or lasciviousness, they're going to reap what, according to Solomon? Vanity. They're going to reap what, according to Paul? Well, corruption. And that is how one sows to the flesh. One who engages in any of these works is sowing to the flesh, period. And one who practices these things quote, will not inherit the kingdom of God, end quote. Now Paul is saying they will not inherit the kingdom of God if they sow to their flesh, if they engage in these things, drunkenness, revelings, and so forth. But what are the works of the Spirit? Well, we're going to deal with that probably in a second part to this study. Because the fruits of the Spirit are opposite of the fruits or the works of the flesh that we just outlined. But one who practices these things most assuredly will not be within the kingdom. 
So, by extension, anybody who's doing these things, you should be able to mark them and say, well, you know what? They're sowing corruption. They're not sowing the perfect word of God, as Yahshua Messiah said we should. But also, another way of sowing to the flesh is by teaching false doctrines. For example, Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. We're here now. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and what? Heresies. Now, a man may come in and be self-serving and attempt to justify himself within the scripture, but all he's doing is sowing and reaping corruption. Vanity. Heresy is an opinion. It's an especially self-willed opinion, which is usually oftentimes substituted for submission to the power of truth. And it also usually leads to sects of disunion, cults, divisions, and erroneous opinions. So, remember that. Stay away from the cults. Dual seedline Christian identity takes every single precept verbatim from the scripture. But there are men out there who are going to come along and say, you know what? Zion's not pronounced the way it is. That's all it really takes for the foolish. Now the new one is Christian doesn't really mean Christian. It's pronounced Christian or something without an R. I have no idea when it really pertains to it. But try the fruits. What are fruits? <laughs> fruits, again, are the works of men. They're the way that we can see what a man is reaping. What do we reap but fruit at the time of harvest? All denominations, sects, cults, etc., each and every one of them, are the results of false teachings. Why? Because men decide to come along and sow corruption. They say, hey, I want to have five wives. I want to justify my own murder of a particular person. And all of a sudden, well, dogma changes. But the word of God changes not. Yahweh God changes not. And if he was able to change, we would be consumed in an instant. In fact, the Old Testament ends on that note. Perhaps I'll bring forth a study on that another day. But understand also, and let's skip back to Proverbs chapter 6, because I really want you to understand. And I want you to not only understand, but be able to mark those who engage in these behaviors. Now, in the Old Testament, Paul already gave you many of the works of the flesh. And all of those works, Yahweh God hates, naturally. But I want you to understand also, according to Proverbs chapter 6, in Proverbs chapter 6, we find the seven things that God hates, which, ironically, coincide with these. Verse 16 says this. This is Proverbs chapter 6. These six things doth Yahweh hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So, we should be able to see that the false prophet can come in and sow discord among the brethren. <laughs> so, it stands to reason that we need to be unified, the true brothers of Yahweh God, so as to stand against the false prophet. Why? Because the false prophet's going to come in and they're going to sow what? <laughs> discord. What we sow so also shall we reap. Now, they're an abomination in the eyes of God. Why? Because these seven things God hates. Yea, seven are an abomination. They're an abomination in his eyes. Those who do this have no eternal life. 
Now, God despises one who sows discord, and we just proved that from Proverbs chapter 6. Contentious words are a source of trouble whenever they are uttered. So understand that. Contentious words also tear down, but we, as Christians, are to build up. Where is that written? Once again, in the words of Paul. However, this time, not in Galatians, but in Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we can read this, beginning in verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind towards one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, contentious words do tear down, but we are instructed to build up. But right here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul provides you with a key on how to note the false prophet. They are those who are usually bitter. They're filled with wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. That's all they seemingly can ever do. Those ministries out there who don't engage in that require your support. But on the same token, those ministries out there, or those makeshift self-ordained ministries out there who do engage in that, also require being shunned by you. And even more, but I'm not going to divulge in that. These false prophets' mouths need to be stopped, should be stopped. So you call yourself a Christian? You call yourself a follower of Yahweh God? Hmm. But not only that, not only does sowing discord produce calamity, according to Proverbs chapter 6, not only do contentious words tear down, according to Ephesians chapter 4, but a contentious person causes heartache, strife, and unhappiness wherever he goes. doesn't matter. He brings the greatest woe upon himself. Did you hear me, dear kinsfolk? Proverbs chapter 6, we briefly covered it, but in verse 15, suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. Why? Because he sowed vanity. He sowed corruption. He sowed wickedness, murder, whatever it was. But it wasn't the righteous word of God. So, the final point before I conclude today's sermon is I want you to understand the difference between sowing bountifully or sparingly. We're commanded to sow. We're also told that we will reap what we sow. But we're commanded in numerous other places. For example, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, so please turn there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, we can read this. These are divine blessings to the giver. Now we already know that those who sow all of these evil things will reap corruption. But what do we reap if we sow righteous things? Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Should be common sense, right? Here we're being taught on the concept of sowing, whether it be bountifully or sparingly. And there is a time and a place for everything. Verse 7 of Second Corinthians chapter 9, Every man according as he has proposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency and all good things may abound to every good work. Now here's where I tie it back in. 
Verse 9. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, and he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. So once again, we're dealing with the dispersed Israelites, and we're being instructed on how to sow, and what to sow, more specifically. Sow the word of God. Now, there may be times where you sow bountifully, or you sow sparingly. And that is on the person who's doing the sowing. Why? They're going to reap what they sow. It's not up to you to judge them. But, of course, it is up to you to have discernment. If we, as Christians, want to reap a bountiful, eternal harvest when we stand before the judgment seat of God, that not only depends on what we sow, but how we sow. But not only that, one who sows sparingly of his time, abilities, resources, righteous work, they really deprive themselves of the abundant life here and also in the kingdom of heaven. How can I say that? Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, we're going to bear this out. We're going to prove it. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, we read this. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called unto his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents and another two, and another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded them with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained the other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained five more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Over a few things I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of Yahweh. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained the other two talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Same exact thing he told he with five talents. Then, he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou wast not sown, and gathering where thou wast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And the Lord answered, Pay close attention, and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Now, you're probably very familiar with the same parable of the talents because it's taught by Yahshua Messiah. But it proves those who sow bountifully reap bountifully. They double their money, if you will. But those who reap sparingly, well, word to the wise is sufficient. But understand that so many who claim to be Christians wonder why they're not happy or they wonder what's wrong with their lives. And it's my humble opinion that the reason they're not happy is because they sow sparingly. They're not out there sowing anything at all. And if they were sowing anything, they should be sowing this word of God. They should be living according to it. That is one surefire way of knowing that we will reap righteousness. 
That is, if we live according to the Word of God. At least then you can remind them and say it's written. Can you not? But if you're out there doing your own thing, rowing your own canoe, making your own religion, all you will reap is vanity and corruption. And I might add, you deserve it. You know, after death it's too late. I get sick and tired of these people who come along, for example, many of my own detractors even, they come in and they say, you know, I'm a father. <laughs> How offensive is that to fathers like myself who actually do marry virgins, who have been with our children and raised them from birth until adulthood. When a man comes along who spent his entire life in prison and says, I'm a father too. How offensive is it to a woman who never played the harlot for someone like Axis Sally to come along and say, you know, I'd be a mother too? <laughs> oh no, indeed, dear kinsfolk. Know them by their fruits. Know them by their harvest. Each and every one of us will reap what we sow. That is a promise of Scripture. Now, it could be that many of these men and women out there who are not happy aren't getting much out of life because they're not putting much into it. They're not reaping and sowing bountifully. It also could be that Christians are to always be abounding in the work of the Lord, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. So consider the examples that are laid out in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 39, and the virtuous woman of Proverbs chapter 31, 10 through 31. Now, before concluding, I want you to understand that there will be a second part to this very sermon, albeit it will be about six months away, because I'm solely focused on Luke. But he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. For example, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 18, quote, The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward, end quote. So, I'm going to give you, today, the substance of a righteous life. Number one, it is a lifetime of sowing, working, striving, praying, enduring heartaches, helping others, etc., and many more worse atrocities. That brings an eternity of joyous reaping, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. It is the same exact thing as sowing to the Spirit. And that's the second part. One can only sow to the Spirit by obeying the teachings of the Spirit. If we want a sure reward, the only way to do that is to sow to the Spirit, not the flesh. Work righteousness according to Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, and keep the commandments of God. Why? Because that, dear kinsfolk, is the whole duty of men, according to Solomon yet again. And that's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. So the conclusion of the entire matter, and I thank you for listening this far, is this. Only those who are the servants of the Master can properly sow. That's proven in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and continuing on from that point. So now, right now, dear listener, as you're hearing me preach this, is the time to start sowing to the Spirit. Especially if you've been sowing to your own flesh all these years. Now is the time to do it. It truly is never too late. Why? Because you must sow to the Spirit to reap eternal life. The life in Christ that we have, it brings great blessings on earth to not only us, our family, but our nation. And it also brings to each and every one of us individually an eternal harvest of joy in that kingdom that is coming. That is what the goal is for, dear kinsfolk. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We know from God's word that Yahweh God would have us sow righteous things, sow his word, and tell the truth to our neighbors, in season and out of season. So my advice to you is to do just that, dear kinsfolk. Also, I want to invite you, if you haven't already, to pick up with us on our current series in the Gospel of Luke. It is ironically our most popular series ever, that is, in this year, 2014. So my advice to you for the next six months of this year is to do just that. Be careful how you sow. Be careful what you sow. Why? Because in like manner, in the same exact manner, so also will he reap us what we sow, whether it's sparingly or bountifully. So dear kinsfolk, with that being established, and another Bible study, this first part of most likely two sermons out the gate and done and concluded, I'll invite you once again to swing by our website. The address will be given here in less than one minute. Sign up for an account on our forums. Sign up for CPM Post, where you can receive two sermons in your mailbox every week. And so until next time, this is Pastor Visser signing off from the heart of the Dirty South, which is Brooks, Georgia, 30 minutes south of Atlanta, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.